the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome into another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Kravitz, joined by Money Man himself, Mike Gennetti, the busiest man in America this week with the NFL trade deadline, the NBA doing their best to keep pace with the James Harden news. We got all of that. We've got quick hits to get to. Have you caught your breath so far this week? Yeah, look, I uh, I did some trick or treating. I uh, <laughs> I was able to watch the World Series come to a conclusion last night, so it's been good. I mean, it's it's a it's a heavy sports week for somebody that has invested my entire life basically doing this. This is the mecca week for really sports and sports business and off season thinking and all sorts of stuff. So we're uh, there's no slowdown period for us anymore. You know, we're into the Major League Baseball off season now, Brandon. So I could go for hours and hours on that but let's uh let's recap this nfl stuff quickly yeah definitely what what does a uh financial analyst like yourself mm. dress as for halloween or do you <laughs> do you go as like cash considerations or um the past five years i have done my best job of embarrassing my kids every year with the surprise <laughs> costume so this <laughs> year great. my wife and i man my wife was a trooper we we dressed up as the the weirdest Mario and Luigi cart costumes possible and had gigantic blow up inflatables around us. And we were the laughing stock of the neighborhood. So that's you know, great. Mission accomplished. Those are good parents right there. <laughs> All right. We're done embarrassing Mike Janetti. Let's move on. Um, we do have a lot to get to with the NFL trade deadline. A quick note for uh, the Rangers. Congratulations to them winning the World Series, capping it off last night in five games uh, any parting words for for them for the nba or the uh, mlb season yeah just another team that bought a championship right brandon no it's uh it's good it's good even I, though the was, guys they bought didn't really del- <laughs> i mean didn't uh, i mean cory seager definitely came yeah. through but like jacob de wasn't even a part of this so some of the money they spent didn't even go towards the championship yeah, well, maybe that's the trick, right? You have to throw as much as possible at the wall so that whatever you have left at the end of the day sticks. And certainly Corey Seager as the MVP was worthy of that. How about a two-time World Series MVP? That's probably the biggest takeaway we can have from that. Um, yeah. You know, $325 million later. But it's a it's a good offseason. You know, a little bit deflated with the Otani injury. But uh, between him and, and what's going to happen with Juan Soto... And maybe the careers of DeGrom and Scherzer, too, and, and Strasburg and Kershaw, right? That's, that's probably a big storyline to hit on here soon. But um, plenty of money to talk about down the road in that league. No question about it. Okay, let's analyze and dissect what we saw from the NFL trade deadline. By and large, the deadline always seems to hmm. sort of uh, stumble to the finish line. But did it yeah. deliver the goods this year for you? It was good. It was heavy defense, which I think is right. I mean, isn't that what wins this time of year and certainly into the postseason? And that's certainly the biggest names. Let me ask you this. I'm going to throw it back on you quick. What was the name that you were dying to hear that could have made this like the Mecca peak trade deadline? Was it Henry? Yeah, it was. It was pie in the sky. It was Derrick Henry. But I think more realistically, it was one of those wide receivers. Like if I wanted to go with... Like Devonte Adams, I know it's a really big name, so we're kind of head hunting there, but our big game hunting. But I, I with, how, with how unhappy he seems to be and the shakeup that they're going through with Las Vegas, that one made so much sense. I've been talking about Mike Evans for a while, even though all yeah. my Tampa people say that I'm crazy. They would never let him go. He's a lifer uh, when it comes to that Bucks organization. Uh, but it, then on a more realistic front, Jerry Judy. 
Jerry Judy and specifically the Chiefs going after somebody to bolster that wide receiver unit. Yeah. Those were the kind of moves that I was looking for. And instead we got Chase Young to the 49ers was huge. Did not yeah. see that coming. Uh, I didn't think that team would look to bolster an already fantastic defensive line. But yeah, it was those offensive pieces. But I don't know if that's the fantasy brain in me or what. Yeah, it is. And and that's kind of how I think this time of year as well, right? I think many do. And it's why we pine for such a bigger event every year at this time. And we don't get it. We get a, a half decent. We got it decent. last year. Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers. Was, we that's, did. That's exactly the kind of stuff we're looking for at the deadline. Here are the Tennessee Titans going absolutely nowhere. Yeah. In, the, in the twilight of Derrick Henry's career, would love to see him play for Whoever, just name a contender where it would be awesome to see him don another helmet in the middle of the season. The same way that McCaffrey, yeah. look at the the run the Niners went on last year when they added him. So I know that that's not necessarily the norm with the running back position, but um, that would have been the best one. And it, and that didn't happen. So I'm going to say and the quarterbacks, like the fact that Josh Dobbs was the only quarterback <laughs> yeah. traded, isn't yeah. that sort of wild too? It's wild. I, I thought for sure we'd see Winston go. I, I thought that one made a heck of a lot of sense, especially for a team like Minnesota, um, because New Orleans could simply just slot in Taysom Hill as their as their new backup. They've done it before. They could do it again. Um, the weapons surprised me. That was the biggest takeaway for me is that we didn't see more weapons move because it has worked in the past. I'm going to say this. If Aaron Rodgers is still the every week quarterback of the Jets, I think Mike Evans is out of Tampa Bay. I think the Jets do everything possible to get that done because they still would have needed a weapon, even if he was the quarterback at this time, in my opinion. So we probably all missed out on that one, but it was okay. We, like I said, a lot of defensive pieces to talk about here. Even though the, uh, even though the jets are about a win away from yeah. really solidifying themselves as a wild card team, if they win on Monday night, they advance to five and three. Um, I, I don't think the season is like, we use, you assume that with Zach Wilson, you have a certain ceiling, but um yeah, they're, they're actually in a better position than we would have thought. But yeah, you're right. Let's talk about some of the deals that did go down. The most impactful being Chase Young, in my opinion. San Francisco snags him with $2.95 million remaining uh, this year. They dealt a compensatory third-round pick. I know you love that, and I'll let you explain why. Um, do you agree that they won the day, and, and why does that the draft compensation, why is that so important here? Yeah, it's a huge move. Look, this guy's got question marks. There's no question about it. Obviously, otherwise, he's got a fifth-year option next year as the number two overall pick just a few years back. So something's not working. And maybe that something was the, the hot mess that has been Washington for the past four seasons. So you put him in an organization that he has coverage around. He has certainly coaches that are going to try to whip him into shape. But yeah, this is a late third-round pick. It's a comp pick that was given to San Francisco because a bunch of coaches... Um, were hired elsewhere this past season. And that's part of the rule, especially if it's a, a diversity hire that you get an extra compensatory draft pick in that case. So they're going to use that to acquire Chase Young at less than $3 million for the rest of the season. And then most likely not re-sign him because they do have a bit of a surplus here and, and they're heavily paid on the defensive line. So when he goes and signs with, I don't know, the Seahawks right next year, they're going to get a third round pick back in the compensatory draft program for losing him in free agency. So uh, by the way, it's something I, I talked about around CBA time that I, I still think should have been discussed. I'm not sure that's fair. I'm not sure that you should be able to rent a player for 10 weeks and then still qualify for the compensatory formula. That seems like cheating. That seems like 
if you're able to game the system sort of like OKC has done in, in the NBA now for forever simply by buying draft picks. So I you know, I'm good on San Francisco for for doing something like this and certainly he's going to help on the field, but I feel like he shouldn't qualify for them next March when it comes down to formula time. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Maybe part of the reasoning was the NFL likes an active trade deadline, and this is a way to keep teams involved in that and to beef up the good teams to make that stretch run. I mean, it does exist, so you're almost foolish if you don't use this to your advantage. I'm surprised that there aren't more teams out there that target exactly what San Francisco did. I agree, especially the bad teams, right? You should be you should be trying to acquire draft capital wherever possible, and if you have to overpay right now to get to get some cash off somebody else's roster that needs to do that, that's what OKC's been doing in the NBA for literally a decade, Brandon. As you know, you've been following that, so yeah. you pay a little extra, you get yourself more draft capital, and then you be, at some point in time you become a good and b extremely valuable in every trade out there, including, you know, knucklehead James Harden. So I'm curious to, uh, to get your ticket. We'll get the knucklehead James Harden. Uh, Why did Chicago get, is this just a marking of a smart organization and a dumb one? Why did Chicago give up a second round pick for Montez sweat, the lesser older player and the Niners gave up a third for the younger, better talent now maybe my talent evaluation is off this is just my opinion but Mm. still a second round pick from chicago to get montez sweat a third round pick from the 49ers i gotta tread lightly here because i've been absolutely killing the bears in this podcast for about a month now and this is not helping i mean this as of right now right there's no extension discussions at at this point, it's going to be a ten week rental, and then I guess a franchise tag, which is going to be upwards of twenty three million next year for Montez Sweat. I think he I think he can play. I mean, he's a he's got like a twenty two twenty three million dollar valuation in our system. So th- this guy has produced, especially on a line that you know other players have probably taken some production away from him. So you put him on a Bears line that needs him to be. You know, you can let him cook on that Bears line now, essentially. I don't know if he's actually better than Chase Young, so I'm gonna I'm not gonna completely agree with you on that one. Like, like I said, he might be able to kind of become a mini Aaron Donald and move all over that line for Chicago if they can sign him. If they don't, this is a nightmare. Even if you even if you get the franchise tag next year, this is a nightmare because they just went through the second round pick drama with Chase Claypool, which is an all time bad, right? An yeah. all time bad. And now there's a chance that they get ten weeks and a franchise tag and nothing more of this second round pick. So. I don't love it. Um, I don't love them doing it right now, but I guess they don't trust themselves to draft. And if that's what this says out loud to me, and and I believe him now. So they've got a guy in the house. They can try to mold him into that machine defensive lineman that he, he was drafted to be in Washington. And they better extend him because otherwise this is a big swing and a miss. Well, I mean, if you're going to be bad at something, I, I, the, the next best thing you can do is be aware that you're bad at it. Yeah. That's the thing that Bill Belichick hasn't f- really yet figured out, that right. he's not good with player personnel. Let somebody else uh, make those sort of decisions and you stick with the coaching. But I can't figure out the, the, the Chicago side. I thought that was interesting to point out. What I really can't figure out is what Washington is doing here. Yeah. This is a rebuilding organization. Uh, we know that in the NFL, it doesn't take as long as some other leagues. You already have part of your team figured out. One of the most important parts of a football team is building through the trenches, and they already had that. Chase Young, still young. Montez Sweat, good player. So what is Washington thinking? 
completely blowing up their defensive line. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Dron Payne, Jonathan Allen, still really nice player. So, I, like I said, I think there are some there's some talent there, uh, and they can backfill maybe with a few draft picks. The problem is they need you know they have holes in seven eight other areas of their roster right now. So they are kind of in a mini rebuild as we speak, trying to hit lightning in a bottle with a really cheap Sam Howell and. You know, to me, the coaching stuff is what's fascinating. I mean, I'm not going to bring in this Belichick rumor stuff that's out there right now because uh, who the heck knows where that has legs, but something's going on, right? Ron Rivera is most likely almost definitely out at this point in time. Does that mean this is Eric Bieniemy's team? Does that mean they're going to start completely over at the coaching staff again? And Sam Howell is going to have basically a third offense in three years, or are they going to try to upgrade Howell? I don't know. I mean, they have some draft capital now, so they can certainly make some of these options come to fruition, but it does seem like a stuck roster. And that's kind of what I focused on in Sunday's pod here was there's probably half a league right now that feels stuck to me. And it's because they've been burned. They've made some bad decisions or they have a quarterback contract and they don't know how to properly build around that. So it's, it's a fascinating league in this regard. The problem with Washington is I don't think they check any of those boxes. They're just kind of <laughs> self-inflicting bad right now yeah. and just said, hey, if I can get a second and a third round pick, let's just do that because that sounds great. It is uh, to pivot real quick based on what you just said about where the league is and all these teams that are stuck. Does it feel like this year, maybe more than some others in the recent past, that there are more teams that are at the bottom. We've got more bottom dwellers this year. Maybe it's the quarterback injuries. This weekend, we're going to have almost a historic amount of backups that are starting in the NFL. Yeah. It does feel like there's there's a lot of really good teams in the league, and there is still parity. It is the NFL. There's there's almost a surplus of bad teams right now. Yeah, I feel like we're going to have an 8-9 and nine team make the playoffs. Uh, I'm I'm almost positive at this point the way that some of these schedules are bearing out the next the rest of the way. So uh, it's not going to go away. Uh, like you said, there's backup quarterbacks playing everywhere. There's going to be more injuries to come. It's just that kind. Of, it's the nature of this league, and yeah. it's what happens when you expand the season, and you know you, you kind of devalue things in the middle here. We're in that we're in that weird spot, that lull that ramps up to Thanksgiving right now, and a lot of teams just have to survive. So. Um, We'll see that, you know, in three, four weeks, we'll know a heck of a lot more. But I, I do think that the the length of the season, the nature of the money and the gameplay change, right? The, the passing heavy, almost, you know, running back by committee everywhere in this in this league now has changed front offices so much to the point of where they, they a lot of them may not know how to fully operate right now. And um, we saw this about 15, 20 years ago when the hard cap came in and the rookie wage scale came in, there was a lot of learning. There was an educated curve to get to. And I feel like we're back in that spot right now in the NFL. And some teams are, are winning and a lot are not. <laughs> let's, uh, let's go back to some of these names. Leonard Williams traded from the Giants to the Seahawks. This is now the second time that Leonard Williams has been traded since 2019. Seems like a good player to me. Is he just one of those pieces that's easily moved? Every sport has those guys that are that's just sort of that's that's part of their journey through the professional sports league that they're in. They are just one of those easily movable pieces. I don't know. I, to me, it's he's a really good player, even at his age. He's going to be 30 soon. That demands a really good price and he's been paid well, but ends up on a bad team. Right. I mean, the Jets yeah. 
The Jets had no business paying him again, so they had to move on from him. The Giants now have no business paying him again, so they have to move on from him. So I, I don't think it's anything incorrect. Um, in fact, I think him being traded is a compliment because it means that, hey, you're worthy of us getting value back for you right now, and you're going to go get paid somewhere else. I, I fully expect Seattle to pay him and keep him in-house in for a couple of seasons, uh, regardless of what happens at the quarterback position, because we've seen them win with defense before, and he fits that model so well. Uh, especially with a player like Fra Frank Clark on the other side of him. Uh, I'm basically on a minimum contract for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. And I, I agree. I mean, I don't think I uh, certainly wasn't trying to be besmirch the good name mm -hmm. of Leonard Williams. There are those players. There are guys that get dealt in leagues year after year or multiple times throughout the course of their season, maybe more accurately, that just aren't good and other teams are willing to take a chance. And then there are those that are sub-elite that just end up sort of hopping from roster to roster because so many teams want them and they have tradable contracts. Yeah, Cloudy and Gakwe, right? It's yeah. kind of those players, right? We've seen those eight to ten million dollar players move, and their contracts allow allow them to bounce around really easily. One or two year deals that are super friendly at the deadline. Williams is a little bit more expensive, so he's sort of an anomaly version of this, mm. right? And the Giants had to pay a, a ton to get him off of this roster. I mean, Seattle gets him for six hundred fifty thousand dollars. Like I said, you bring him in for the second and the fifth round pick, and then you re-sign him because that's uh, you've already got your value for the next 10 weeks. I like what Seattle's doing because this team is really good right now. They have a good record. They're not as stout as like the 49ers or the Eagles and probably even the Cowboys, but they're mm -hmm. just going to press forward like they are, and I like that sort of confidence in the way they go about their business. Josh Dobbs was picked up by the Vikings, who unfortunately lost Kirk Cousins for the season. Minnesota gets Dobbs in a seventh-round pick in exchange for a sixth-round pick. Seems like a pretty cheap price tag to me for a fringe starting quarterback. This is a guy that you're going to end up using as your starter, and you only had to give up a sixth-round pick to get him. Yeah, and you get him for eight hundred thirty thousand dollars the rest of the way. It's you know it's a really nice move from Minnesota. They had probably three or four options here. And uh, I don't know why he wouldn't go this route. This guy showed he can step into a brand new system and be at least competent for a few weeks. You know, it's sort of that Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of feeling, right? Where the guy just bounces around and steps up and he's going to win maybe half his games. And at some point in time, his, his, uh, his flair is going to run off and he's not going to be that kind of player anymore. So if, if Dobbs just needs to do this for even eight or nine weeks, it sounds like he's not going to get to start this upcoming weekend. That, that's exactly what the doctor ordered from Minnesota, who's really not trying to min win too many ballgames the rest of the way out here. Just wants to hold face so that Justin Jefferson doesn't hold out and demand a trade in a couple months. Yeah, but I'll go back to something <laughs> you said about um, the, the bad record that's going to make it into the playoffs. I think they still might make the postseason. Yeah, they right could be the they, team. Yeah, they could be it. Yeah, I think that the, he's good enough with Jefferson coming back and the way Addison has played. Brian Flores seems to has, have this defense playing above their heads a little bit. Uh, I think they're good enough to make the seven seed in the NFC. Who's, who are they battling? The another NFC, You can't have two NFC South teams in the playoffs. I refuse to believe that that's <laughs> going to happen this year. And by the way, they didn't trade the defensive players we thought they would. So they might agree with you right there. They might be thinking, look... We may just be able to hold this thing together, be a 500 team, sneak in and, you know, make a couple extra million as an organization with the playoff yeah. game because that's, right. part of the, that's part of it here. It's one of those organizations that almost respects themselves a little too much to go into the tank when we all think they should do it. Donovan Peoples-Jones was dealt from the Browns to the yeah. Lions for a 2025 sixth round pick. 
So Detroit adds a guy to their arsenal that I think they're probably going to use. Josh Reynolds had his day in the sun early in the season, but we know what he is as a player. This is an indictment on Jamison Williams to me, uh, their pick Mm. in the 2022 draft, because these guys play a similar sort of role, just fly down the field, deep passes from Jared Goff. Do you see it that way? Am am I reading too far into a move that was uh, where a a wide receiver was brought in for a sixth? I definitely think it's fair because they have five capable receivers now on this roster um, and they didn't need to make this pick. I I don't know what happened in Cleveland. I I don't know why this guy just completely got written out of the playbook. He was a 60 60 catch receiver last year. He was clearly the number two option to Amari Cooper on that roster. And all of a sudden now, you know, certainly PJ Walker is not going to, you know, light the room up in terms of spreading the ball around. But this guy got completely written out. So it's Detroit's win, in my opinion. It's a little bit more expensive than I, I think a lot of teams would have paid for him, right? The 1.5 million the rest of the way, mm. which probably validates your point. Uh, you know, they're not just bringing this guy in to be depth. He's going to be maybe the number two or three option on this roster in terms of the passing game. And with Gibbs looking like he's starting to cook, this could become really, really fun for Jared Goff, who has done this before. He has been in a situation where he's been given six weapons and just been asked to get through his progressions as quickly as possible and find the open man. So I I really think this is smart. I don't know what happened in Cleveland because this guy should have been a clear number two option here in 2023. Yeah, I like him. I think he's a good wide receiver. And shame on me for not mentioning the Lions when talking about the best teams in the NFC because they deserve to be a part of that conversation. The Bills made a move, uh, the final move of the day by my count, bringing in Razul Douglas from the Green Bay Packers. They gave up a third to do it. Why was this beneficial for, for both sides here? Yeah, it sounds like there's been a lot of interest in this for a while from uh, the local stuff that's been coming out here. They were they had their eyes set on Jalen Johnson in Chicago. Chicago would not move off of a second round pick in terms of this trade. So a third rounder in Green Bay worked out just fine. It's it's a nice fit to to, to drop in for Tre'Davious White White's injury. They just uh, put Kyer Elam on the injured reserve. You know, maybe there's an ankle injury. Maybe there's just a hey, don't get hurt because we need to get you out of this get you out of here next March. It didn't work out, um, so there was a need here. This was the biggest need Buffalo had outside of maybe another wide receiver. And I'll say this: Brandon Bean, the GM of the Buffalo Bills, has been extremely vocal in public about not trading for rental pieces, and that's not what this is. He's under contract through 2024. It's a nine million dollar option. So if this works out and they end up moving on from Tredavious White because of those injuries in his career, they've got a $9 million starting cornerback next year as well. Not bad. Is he, is he expected to be active this coming weekend? Because they got a big game coming up against Cincinnati. I'm going to I'm going to say yes. We haven't heard just yet, but he was on the field yesterday. They got his uniform yesterday. Uh, I saw locally here and I would expect because it's a it's a night game Sunday night. They could probably ramp him up and get him out there. Let's move to the NBA, the uh, league that never stops churning out the drama. James Harden finally dealt after months of of waiting for that. And he landed in a spot that you and I talked about as uh, the most likely candidate. And uh, for whatever reason, what is not at the top of the odds list when we checked on this about a month ago? But he is now an L.A. Clipper and the Sixers acquire a bunch of draft capital and a lot of cap flexibility. That's essentially the move. Did the Sixers and Daryl Morey make the best of an ugly situation here? Uh, I think they took the only offer available. (laughs) Is that fair? Um, I just don't think there was anybody else bidding for this. Obviously, I know they were publicly negotiating for Terrence Mann out of out of LA. That didn't happen. 
they pull in some expiring contracts that they can probably flip in either a couple of months or certainly after the season, which is good news for Maury, who likes to, you know, he's not going to be sitting on his hands for too long here. Let's put it that way. And if it doesn't work out, there's a bunch of first round picks built into this so that they can try to bring in another superstar for Joel Embiid or, and I don't think this is crazy, completely rip this bandaid off. Maybe not after this season, but after 2024 and completely start over without Embiid, without Harden, obviously, and without another superstar. And maybe that includes Maxi as well, who will need an extension in the next 18 months or so. So, uh, this could go in any direction for Philadelphia, but for right now, this was the only option and they took it at the proper time, in my opinion. And I do like the fact that they created a scenario where they've got three ways they can go with this. You can mm-hmm. either make it happen at the deadline and surge forward this year. I've seen Zach Levine's name, OG Ananobi floated out there. Maybe DeMar DeRozan would be on the move. They could add somebody that would really uh, provide an extra spark to this team. Or you wait until the summer if there's a a bigger fish that you could go out and acquire. And like you said, at the end of the day, it all comes down to a conversation they have behind closed doors with Joel Embiid. If Embiid doesn't want to be there, then you get to really blow this thing up and and, and start from scratch and and bring in whatever you would get from Embiid because you're not just going to let him walk out the door. The NBA is not flush for, you know, superstar content. Let's put it that way. There's a real, there's a real world, Brandon, where Embiid and Luka Doncic are both in serious trade discussions in 12 to 18 months. There's no question about it because both are in similar situations that appear to be going backwards, not forwards. But look, I could be reading this completely wrong. You know, This could be a better 76ers team right now. They're a little bit younger, maybe a little bit better defensively after this move. And maybe they can hold this thing together. Maybe Embiid can be the MVP yet again and make that run and, and kind of single-handedly hold this team up on his shoulders. I'm not ready to buy it yet. I think they're a middling East team right now, but crazier things have happened. That's for sure. Yeah. They, um, they add uh, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, KJ Martin, and then a bunch of picks. Uh, yeah. I just don't think that's really moving the needle for me. It doesn't as far sound as great. Yeah. Standing bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, for the, the Clippers side of it, I think we all agree. It's a pretty uh, standard opinion at this point that, yeah, this is going to look really nice on paper. They're going to win a lot of regular season games. The Clippers at this moment are playing really well without adding James Harden. At some point, it's going to either blow up because of the egos in the locker room or because of the lack of availability or the lack of playoff success from a guy like James Harden who's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. However you get there, it's probably not going to work. Do you agree with that? I guess I'll start there. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I think this is the best 2018 roster we have going right now, doesn't isn't it? I mean, this is, it seems like it's four or five years old or too late. And yeah. uh, I just don't know what you can expect out of any of those names you just mentioned outside of Westbrook, who's, you know, I feel like he's he's the dog in this whole situation because he was playing well. You know, the effort he's going to give. And he's just going to be, you know, a sideshow now to whatever James Harden becomes because those two have shown they just don't work together anymore. They did maybe 10, 12 years ago when they were both coming into the league and sort of were humbled. And that is certainly not the case anymore. So I don't, I don't see the big four here playing well together or playing at all together because of injuries and load management and stuff. But I don't know. I, you know, it, it, it kind of feels like a super team. Sometimes super teams work. Most of the times they don't. Right. This feels a lot like the Nets when they had Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Darren Williams. It was like, how could this possibly fail? 
and then it just did. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. It, it kind of looks like that on paper to me. Um, what are the chances that these guys, these four, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George, well, you want to give me a number or certain names that you think are going to be on this Clippers roster next season? Because all of them could leave if they want to. James Harden is an unrestricted free agent, and the other three have player options at the end of the season. I think they're going to have to pay Harden. <laughs> I think that's part of this, unfortunately, um, because of what they just gave up in terms of the picks. So Harden's probably here. One of George and, and Leonard, if possible, are off this roster. I'm not even sure you can move Kawhi Leonard right now. He, he was an unknown when he was good, and now he's an unknown and not good. So I don't know how that's movable. So I, I would guess Paul George and Russell Westbrook are probably not on this roster next year. And it's Kawhi and Harden's team, whatever that's going to be, um, with a, with hopefully a bunch of you know young kids to go around them. But I don't know, man. New stadium for ball or new arena for Balmer. He seems as motivated as ever, man. He he can be crazy. So if you tell you tell me that Paul George gets flipped at this deadline and they start this process, you know, right now quickly, I I'd believe it because I feel like he is motivated. It, right, he's motivated to do something big that draws interest. He is marketing this team right now. He, yeah. It's not so much about winning ball games. Obviously, that's that's a part of it, but he is marketing this team, and he is spending a fortune. By the way, this is the second highest tax payroll in all of the NBA. They surpassed the Suns, who we thought were crazy. They surpassed the Bucks, who just added Dame Lillard, and they surpassed the Celtics, who have a big three. Right, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Porzingis now. So uh, they're second holiday. only. Yeah, they're second only to the Warriors. So this is wow. what, this is what's happening in in that other LA team right now. And like you said, they do look good, but you know, Harden has been known to put a uniform on and, and kill a team pretty quickly. So I kind of expect that's where things are at. Yeah, what is the trade request coming? But this will be a, a, an interesting follow throughout the next couple of weeks and uh, leading up to the trade deadline because I think their success or lack of it like you said, Mike, could uh, could end up leading to some more moves. Let's get to a couple of quick hits before we wrap up today's episode. Mark Davis making all kinds of moves with the Las Vegas Raiders. He let Josh McDaniels go. He benched Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm assuming that that was the owner making that call. Aiden O'Connell getting the start this weekend. Was that a hasty move by a, a wild owner or was that the right decision? I went on four or five uh, radio hits before the trade deadline, and I was asked about Devontae Adams on every single one. And my response was, I don't think Devontae Adams moves until Josh McDaniels is fired. <laughs> and he got fired like an hour and a half later. So I'm sorry. Um, but too late. Now, yeah, now I expect that this is basically Mark Davis saying out loud, look, everything that's happened in the past 18 to 24 months has basically gone wrong here, including Garoppolo and including the way that we're utilizing Devontae Adams. So... I would expect this to be really ugly. And I know that they've got some contracts, right? What happens with Max Crosby probably stays, but maybe he demands to get out of there. You know, and this is a guy that could drop into one of these fringe teams we've talked about today and make them markedly better. So I think this is just the beginning of the end for a lot of pieces on that team. And by the way, with Garoppolo, it's worth saying he's got a $11.5 million guarantee already for next year. He's going to get paid that no matter what. And there's another 11 and a half in terms of a bonus that's injury guaranteed. So this benching is not just because he missed Devontae Adams by eight yards three times. It's because they need to preserve that 11 million when they release him on March 13th. Well, that is definitely going to happen. The Rangers took home the World Series crown. Will they run it back with the same crew next season? And 
Who are they losing? Corey Seager's Corey Seager's good. He's on the books for uh uh the next eight years. He's up yeah, to and, and Simeon. Yeah, they did they didn't just you know slide into this this rebuild. They really went all at it. So they got a lot of nice arbitration pieces. The Dallas Garcia is gonna have to be uh, you know paid arbitration salary. It's gonna be a a hefty number based on his breakout season. As a lot be. of this, yeah, a lot of this roster is coming back. Jordan Montgomery's a free agent. That's a big one to discuss. Um, a couple of the bullpens pieces, which were fantastic down the stretch, they're going to have to be discussed. But outside of that, you know, I, in terms of this 28 man roster that we've seen the past few weeks here, 75% of it is locked in right now. And, you know, it's really about what do you do with DeGrom? who's not going to be able to pitch and Ken Scherzer pitch, even though the Mets are paying half that salary. Is that something you're going to have to basically bring in a B pitcher for to platoon with him? Because you know, he's going to be sort of a, I don't know, is he a 10, 12 star player? Maybe. So um, here's my prediction early. Clayton Kershaw finishes his career as the platoon to Max Scherzer in Texas. Yep. I like that. Fourth shortest odds to win the World Series in 2024. I don't know if you want to tie up your money this quickly, but that's what's out there right now. Uh, we'll wrap with this. Will Michigan and the, uh, the, the cheating, sign-stealing scandal that is running wild through college football right now, is that inevitably going to push Jim Harbaugh to the NFL? And who knows, maybe the, the next head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. I, I think it might. I think it was super close last time around um, with some of those local teams there in Minnesota, Detroit, to name a few. There's going to be some nice, nice jobs here. You know, I'm not sure that Washington job is nice, but it could be. You know, he's certainly going to be paid well if he takes the Washington gig. Be well, fun it depends to have. on who gets the top. Uh, who gets the top two picks? That'll that's right. Definitely determine what we consider to be a good job. And by the way, he's got a hell of a lot of first round picks on his own roster right now in Michigan. So you know, he could do some work on that as well. Um, but it'd be fun to have Jim in Washington and John in Baltimore. That's not a terrible storyline for the NFL to like with for a few seasons. Um, I do think it, it does. Um, I, I think he'll get pushed out of this eventually because it seems like there's a ton of substance to it. And the memes are phenomenal, dropping this guy into all certain places with those glasses on. I don't know if you've seen those yet. <laughs> I have uh, not. There's millions and they're, they're, I'm here for every single one. I know that once we hop off of this episode that's all i'm gonna see this is the way the world works the internet is listening yeah, to i spoke i spoke into the algorithm that's right um yeah let's say yes to jim harbaugh in the nfl next year there's always six or ten jobs coming up here available so he's probably he's likely to get one feels like a safe bet i like that with the beltway brothers uh with, with him and john that does it for today's edition of the spot track podcast if you like the content you hear on this channel follow rate review and subscribe it goes a long way and we appreciate it spottrack.com for all of the latest in the contract and transactional world till next time